brothers and sisters, with all of my heart, I wanted to speak about something concerning this Christmas season. It's December. And when I was seeking the Lord about what it was that he wanted, for whatever reason, he would not allow my thoughts to take root. But he planted his own thought into my heart and into my mind, and I am soliciting your prayers. And I have to admit that this is probably the most sensitive subject I've ever attempted to preach on. And so my prayer is that the Lord will allow everything to land just right. Uh, Whether it's for you, for someone who may be watching, or someone who will watch in the future, that is our prayer. Today we're going to look at a few passages of Scripture. There's no single place, but I'm going to start in Exodus The meat and potatoes, what I'd like to talk about, really would be found in Exodus chapter 4. But for the sake of background, I want to start in Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to look at Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. And then we'll skip down to what I really want to discuss with you, which is Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. So let's read Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. Here's how it reads. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out and up into a good land, spacious, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. 
I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Listen to what Moses said. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh to bring out the Israelites out of Egypt? Now drop down to Exodus chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, so we can see Moses' continued argument. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. Listen, I am slow of speech and tongue. But look at how the Lord replied. The Lord said to him, to Moses, And I beg to help you understand that the Lord is saying to us today, who gave human beings their mouths? The next question, who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? For a few moments, brothers and sisters, I'd like to talk from this topic. And God made them too. Father, in your name, this is the most sensitive subject, O Lord, you've ever planted into my heart. Help it, O Heavenly Father to speak to whom it should speak. I lay down everything and I give it to you. Bless us, O Lord God, through your word. Help it to be understood. Bless us to glean from it. Help us to be richer because of your word. And Lord, if I've asked for too little, Do something amazing in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Jason. Is overcoming a major challenge to play in a school marching band. Listen to him. Jackie Johnson was born with a rare disease that left him without legs. Channel 2's Nefertiti Jacquez is live in Midtown Atlanta. Enough, this young man. He is incredible. He's incredible, and he is an inspiration to everyone he meets. In fact, he doesn't see his condition as a a disability, and he tells us that it really is what inspires him to keep going. He never made his uh, situation an issue. He just wanted to play the tuba. Jackie Johnson was born with a rare disease, but the 15-year-old marches through life as if he doesn't have a disability. We was practicing the field show, and everybody was shocked. But then, like, after a couple of hours being there, they just started treating me usual. And, like, I was still a normal person. Shocked when the ninth grader at Cedar Grove High joined the school's marching band, even though he had both of his legs amputated below the knee as an infant. At first, even his own band director couldn't believe it could be done. Straight face, but on the inside, wow, this guy really wants to do the impossible. But if he wants to do it, I was willing to help him do it. 
So with the unwavering support of his band director and his mom, there was no stopping Jackie. I didn't think he was going to take it as far as being in the marching band. I was just thinking about how was he going to move with this big instrument. Jackie was born with tibial hemomelia. At nine months old, mom tells us she made the difficult decision to allow doctors to amputate his leg. I was trying to figure out uh, how was he going to start moving around and everything, but it seems like a couple of weeks after he had the surgery, he was just moving so fast, just always moving around. So just let him be. And he went. I chose like something that no one else did or like attracted to that I was attracted to. Jackie has played sports like football competitively for years before arriving to Cedar Road and falling in love with the tuba. And with special padded shoes he calls slippers, he's able to march, sway, and move like anyone else. It motivates me to keep going to know that I'm just not doing it for nothing. Like, I can keep going. I'm very proud of him. I'm very proud of him. And so are we. And when it comes to his future, Jack, he says he will continue to march to the beat of his own drum. He says he already has plans to play in a band in a historically black college or university. We're in Midtown. And for TD Jack Class Channel 2, Action News. <laughs> Oh, and the story gets better. That young man, Jackie, realized his dream as he attended Jackson State University. He played in the marching band for Jackson State. He just completed his fourth year and final year, and he is set to graduate in the spring. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, when I came across his story, and of course, you know, I'm affiliated with Jackson State and um, talked to some people who actually knew him. Um, and I, I think about some others who, who I know, people whose lives that we, we've, we've crossed paths. Um, the thing that comes to mind and the thing that I want you to understand as the Lord helped me to understand is, don't ever underestimate or discount people with disabilities. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, some of the greatest people in this world were folks and are folks who face challenges. People like Helen Keller, notable author and political activist, who at the age of 19 months contracted a disease that left her both blind and deaf. But later on in life, she was named by Time Magazine as one of the 100 most important people in the 20th century. Or how about a young little lady by the name of Harriet Tubman, a former slave turned abolitionist, who helped hundreds of enslaved people reach their freedom. Tubman suffered from epileptic seizures and excessive sleepiness because she was hit, brutally hit, in the head by our slave master. But her status nor her disease hindered her destiny. Or what about the genius Albert Einstein? who won the Nobel Prize in physics and is considered one of the greatest minds in modern history. It is believed that Albert Einstein was likely autistic. 
So I ask you this question, brothers and sisters. What is normal? I mean, who writes that description? Um, When God called Moses to the scene, that was the very argument that Moses used to God. Moses looked at God. He says, Lord, get somebody else because I'm not normal. He says, I'm not eloquent in how I speak. You know, I'm slow of tongue and of speech. And I loved in that dialogue how God switched things around and started talking to Moses. God said, okay, Moses, we're going to have this conversation. Let's do this. So Moses, I I, I thank you for letting me know something that I obviously didn't know (laughs) about you. I appreciate that. But let's talk about it a little bit further. Moses, um, who is it that made human beings' mouths? Um, who is it, Moses, who do you think it is that makes man mute or deaf? Uh, Moses, who is it that gives people their sight or makes them blind? And then God does something that you and I don't typically do. He took ownership of it and he said, is it not I, the Lord? You see, brothers and sisters, God never questions our ability. The only thing in question is our availability. I formed you into your mother's womb. I know who you are. I know what your potential can be. I know what I made. I don't question your ability, brothers and sisters, but the thing on the floor is, are you available? It's the very thing that Isaiah learned. Isaiah was in the heavenlies, and he saw the seraphim. He saw how they were crying out, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And, and, and he saw those things, and he said, Lord, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips because I've seen the Lord. And God knew about his ability. He knew what he could and could not do. But the question God asked was, but who will go for us? And thankfully, Isaiah didn't do what Moses did. Isaiah said, Lord... I'm available. That song says, Lord, I'm available to you. My will I I give to you. Do what you want to do in me. God never questions the ability of mankind, only our availability. Who are we to charge God with making a mistake? God makes who he desires, and he makes how he desires. I was fortunate as a young man to visit with my dad from time to time as he would go to work. My dad worked for Northwest State School, and it was a place that housed Persons with profound mental disabilities. My dad was a social worker there, so he had to be an advocate for people. 
And when I would go and visit with my father, sometimes he would take me down uh, to where the residents were. And I'd walk into a room with my dad, and we would be with someone and their family, and, and the person often didn't know who we were, even though my dad had probably been in there hundreds of times. They didn't know who was in the world. They didn't know anything about their situation. They were just there and present. And what I loved about my father was, was regardless of whether a person was cognizant or aware of who they were, my dad always treated people with dignity. He treated them with respect because my dad knew and understood that God made them too. Mentally challenged. Physically disabled, socially awkward, God made them too. Introverted, wheelchair bound, deaf, difficulties in communicating, God made them too. Obese, anorexic, insecure, blind, autistic, ADHD, God made them too. Poor, homeless, imprisoned alcohol or drug abusers, God made them too. Brothers and sisters, we've got to understand. I know there's a great deal of talk in America and even in the church about unity. But oftentimes we leave unity in the form of ethnicity. We look at unity as black and white. But unity is more than just black and white. God wants us to see people for who they are. Everyone should be a part of this unity, this body of Christ. We should accept everyone regardless of how they look, how they act, or anything. It's unity that he's after. Unity. And whether the issue that people have was self-imposed, or if it was something happened at birth, all people are valuable because all people are made in the Imago Day, the image of God. And brothers and sisters, we do well to remember that. And in fact, God says that for those who do, there's a mighty reward for them. You don't have to turn that right now, but when you get home, I would implore you to look at Matthew chapter 25. And when you get down somewhere to that 31st verse, you'll see that Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. And he's telling them about some of the end time prophecies, the things that they are to look forward to. And and he says that there are going to be all the nations are going to be gathered around and that the Lord is going to separate those nations. He's going to have them as though it were on the right were sheep and on the left were goats. And on the right hand, he's going to talk to those on the right, and he's going to say to them, come to you, come to me, you who are blessed by my father, come and take your inheritance. And he says, why? Because when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was a stranger, you were the one who invited me in. When I was sick, you were the one who took care of me. When I was naked, you were the one who clothed me. Come on in and accept your inheritance. And those on the right are going to ask the Lord, well, Lord, when did we see that? 
When did we see you naked? When did we see you hungry? When did we see you imprisoned? When did we see you sick? And Jesus replies to them, he says, truly I tell you, whatever you have done unto the least of these my brothers, you have done it unto me. Brothers and sisters, I don't believe that this was intended to be an exhaustive list. Yes, he talks about those who are hungry and sick and destitute, but there are others that he's speaking of as well. It doesn't matter a person's disabilities. It doesn't matter if they can walk in or not. It doesn't matter if they can speak or hold a conversation. If you treat people like people, God says there's an inheritance laid up for you. That means, brothers and sisters, that everyone is due dignity, honor, and are worth respecting. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 9. As you go there, I'm going to provide a little background to that. 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'm going to look at the whole chapter, too. Um, but as you get there, you all can recall the story of, 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 of King David and, and Jonathan and Saul, right? Y'all remember that story in the Old Testament and, and how David and, um, and Saul were always into it because Saul hated David. Um, but David had a very close bosom buddy, if you will, uh, in Saul's son, Jonathan. David loved Jonathan and Jonathan loved David. But it came to the point in time where both Saul and his son Jonathan were killed in battle. And the story goes that when they were killed in battle back at the palace, back at home, when the nurse found out that her master and her master's father were, were, were killed, she, the nurse grabbed Jonathan's son, whose name was Mephibosheth. And as she grabbed him to pull him up, he fell, and the Bible says that he was lame in both feet because of that accident. And so now David is getting ready to, to address this situation. And I want us to see this. I, I'm, I apologize that we have to read this chapter, but I want you to see it in its entirety. Okay, listen to it. Here's how it reads in verse 1, 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. David asked, is there anyone left in, in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. And they summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, is there no one still alive in the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son, Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. And Ziba answered, he is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Listen, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness. For the sake of your father, Jonathan, 
I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And I will all, and you will always eat at my table. And Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Zibbet. Uh, Ziba steward, Saul's steward, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth's grandson of your master will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever the Lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Verse 12 and 13 concluding. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah. And all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table He was lame in both feet. Brothers and sisters, I had to read all of that for proper context. But it's apparent and very clear that the writer of the text wants us to know two things. One, he wants us to know that Mephibosheth was lame in both feet. Secondly, The writer of the text wants us to know that Mephibosheth, though he was lame in both feet, always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. It tells us this. How many times does it say it in the text? It says it two times. Now, that's kind of awkward. If I say that I'm having trouble hearing... I don't have to say that more than once. But it's such an uncanny thing, this whole situation, that the writer says it twice, once in verse 3, and then again in verse 13, that here is a man who is king. Do you understand something? That he is lame in both feet. So the writer wants us to understand his disability. But the writer also wants us to understand the king's declaration. Because although it was mentioned twice that he was lame in both feet, it was mentioned four times that he's going to eat at the king's table. (laughs) Verse 7. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And here it is, and you will always eat at my table. Verse 10, and Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Verse 11, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Verse 13, and Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. Brothers and sisters, the disability is real, but the king's declaration takes precedence over the disability. Yeah. Yeah. 
There are two dynamics that are being played out here. There is the view of self, Mephibosheth, the view of himself. He looks at himself. He says, he says, David, King David, here I am. I'm bound down before you. And he's listening to, to all these words that David is saying to him. And he says, who am I? That you will want to bless a dead dog like me. This is how he thought of himself. But then you had the view of the king. Mephibosheth said, why am I here? I mean, how can I possibly be of any benefit or value to you? King, I'm worthless. I have no value. I'm, I'm just... A dead dog. But notice what the king said. The king says, you may think that, but I see your value. The king looked for an opportunity to bless him. The king wasn't ashamed of him. The king was understanding. The king was empathetic. And regardless of Mephibosheth's condition, the king treated him with dignity. Now, brothers and sisters, you know very well that I'm not leaving that in the Old Testament. I want you to understand something. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your situation may be, whether you're a caretaker or someone who is dealing with a disability or something that cripples you physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, or otherwise. I want you to know that the king of kings sees your value. The king of kings understands your situation. The king of kings is not ashamed of you. The king of kings is empathetic. The king of kings will treat you with dignity. It bothers me when we stare and snicker And worse yet, ignore people who may be a little bit different than we are. It bothers me that we are too afraid to touch or to get close. Matthew chapter 8. Look at that scripture. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. I asked him to put it on the screen so you could see it in its entirety. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, You can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Keep that passage of scripture. Think about it, brothers and sisters. The Bible says that Jesus came down from from a mountain. Y'all forgive me, I am not Jesus. I'm just coming down. (laughs) 
he came down from the mountaintop. And the Bible said there's a large crowd of people who began to follow him. But then, as the people were coming and following him, the Bible says that there was a man who came who had leprosy. Now, one thing that we understand in the Old Testament about leprosy is, is that if a person, a man or a woman, had leprosy, and they left without, they left the colony from which they, they lived, whenever they went, they had to pronounce their presence. They had to pronounce it by saying something ugly. They would have to say unclean, unclean, unclean. And you imagine this man seeing this crowd of people and the crowd of people seeing this man and he's saying unclean, unclean. And I would only imagine in my heart and in my mind and in my spirit that, that all of the people, when they heard the man, they stopped following and they let that man have his way. The people dispersed, but Jesus stayed right there. The people fled away, but Jesus remained. And as the people dispersed and separated and this man came walking up to Jesus, he says, Lord... If you are willing, you can make me clean. He knew something about Jesus. But then Jesus did something that the man probably had not felt or known in many years. The Bible says that Jesus reached out. And even though this man had a contagious disease, this man had a communicable disease. This man had a disease that could be transmitted from person to person. Jesus wasn't afraid of the man's disease. Jesus reached out his hand and he does something that the man hadn't experienced in a long time. He felt the Savior's touch. Jesus says, not only will I make you whole, but Jesus is saying in that touch, but I also love you. And yes, sir, I am willing to make you clean. Be clean. Brothers and sisters, there's something powerful about a touch. I know that when we look at touches and we hear about touching and feeling now, it's always used in a negative connotation because there are a lot of people who don't touch right. And I hate to say that there are some of you who are in this building who have been negatively touched. Someone has abused you. Someone has misused you. Someone who you trusted did something heinous to you. But I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the great Abba, the Father, the great I am, is still willing. And he's not going to touch you in a wrong and negative way. He's going to reach out and extend his, extend his arms and his hands, and he's going to love on you the way that you deserve to be loved. God looked at that man, and he says, you deserve Everyone else flees away. But I'm going to touch you. My wife and I were at a restaurant not too long ago. And that was a young man who had some severe, profound mental challenges. 
young man will probably, unless God changes his situation, he will probably always need a caretaker. He may not ever experience the joy of marriage and children. I don't, I don't know, but he may not. And while we were there, I, I, I tried to do what I'm willing to preach. And even though people ignore folk who have disabilities, and especially those who have mental disabilities, I made it a point to go and speak to the young man. I didn't know what his response was going to be, and it wasn't a good one at first. He didn't want to have anything to do with me. He, you know, shunned back, mm-mm, you know, and so I left him alone for, for a period, but then I came back. And I just sat next to him. And his mom and dad were trying to introduce him to me. And I was just talking to him gently. And that young man went from being resistant to uttering out the words, Uncle Craig. <laughs> and that young man probably wouldn't know me today if I saw him, but... He not only said Uncle Craig, but after we sat there and talked for a little while, that young man embraced me. And he hugged me longer than what his parents and other people were expecting or probably even desired. And they were saying, hey, let him, let, let him go, let him go, let him go. And I said, no, he's just fine. And he just embraced and hugged. And here's what I understood at that moment. He, he may not be able to function in a classroom. He may not ever be able to say his ABCs and one, two, threes. But what he understood was love. And brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that there are people all around you who need to experience the love of God that's in you. Regardless of their situation. Now I know there are, most of us in here will probably say, well, I'm not like that. You know, I, I, I do. But, but, but think about it. Do you really? And I'm not saying go out of the way in, in, in a sense of making it look awkward. I'm not trying to say force yourself upon someone else. But I am saying treat people like people. Treat them the same way that you would want to be treated. You know that you are conversational, that you like to have conversations. Speak to people, talk to them. And if they can reply, that's fine. If they can't, that's fine. Still show your presence. Let me give a word to those who are listening, who are functioning with some sort of issue. Moses asked a question. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and say to him, bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I to do that? And people who deal with some sort of disability are complex 
often shy away due to self-doubt. That's the issue at hand. Self-doubt. And Moses said in Exodus 4 and 10, he says, Lord, I can't do this. He said, I'm slow of speech and of tongue. I am not eloquent. From the time that you call me tonight, I I just can't do this. In other words, what Moses says is, he says, I don't have the intangibles. He says, in other words, I I also, I know my limitations. But then ultimately, Moses is saying to God, he says, I don't believe that there's a remedy for my problem. And there are some people who are in here today or who may be listening online that because of an issue that you may be dealing with in self-doubt, you are saying to God and to others that I don't have the intangibles. You are saying that I know my limitations and I believe that I'm limited. You are saying that I also believe that there is no remedy for my problem. But brothers and sisters, I want you to understand something. Moses' issue was, was that at that time he had not found a true relationship with God. But once Moses found that relationship with God, I'm sure he uncovered and discovered that God was able to do anything and everything that he needed to to be done. And brothers and sisters, the same thing applies to you and to me. If you're dealing with a disability, if you're dealing with Um, a complex, if you're dealing with some sort of issue, it's okay. You still don't have to be shy. You don't have to fall away because God still wants to use you even though you may have that disability. Here's the word. Allow the challenges in your life to refine you not define you. All of us have challenges in some shape, form, or fashion. Every one of us. But always allow the challenges in your life to refine you and never let them define you. In other words, don't be defined by your uh, disability. Don't be defined by your disability. God cares for you, and God still wants to use you. One last word, a real quick one. To all of our caregivers, you who are charged with caring for someone, who may have a disability. Thank you. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for your consistency. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for the love that you show and display to your loved one. Thank you. 
And to every one of your concerns, I have this last and final word. God will provide. He will provide. Oftentimes, we want God to remove us from our situation. Sometimes he does. But if he doesn't remove you from the situation, our God is so faithful that he will join you in the situation. Our God never fails. All heads are bowed. If you're here today and stability, don't allow your disability, your whole self, to the Lord. Moses discovered that even though he may have had a speech impediment, even though he was past his prime when God called him, Moses discovered that when he surrendered and said yes to God, God took over his life and transformed him to be where God delivered him from that speech impediment. It is possible and likely that Moses lived with that until the day he died because Aaron was his spokesperson. That's an encouraging word. That God was still able and willing to use him through his problem. And if you have an issue, a disability, a complex, a mindset, where you think God is not willing or even able to use you, I want you to surrender that thought process right now. And God, if there's anyone in this room or who may be watching us online who believes that they are beyond help, who has believed the life, who's fallen victim to what other people have said about them, that they are unable. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will remove all doubt from that person or those persons that you would give and restore and bring life to them, O oh Lord, that they've never experienced before. That even in their old age or even in their disability or even in their complex or even in their mindset or whatever it may be, O oh Lord God, that you will use them for your glory and for the building up of your people. God, I speak that word over them today, oh Lord. I don't believe that they can. And so in your name, Jesus, we speak life and freedom and liberty to all of your servants. In Jesus' name.